okay? It sounds great and it looks great. So we're totally okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah, okay, yeah. I have a ring light. So at least we have that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all yeah. bought ring lights about eight months ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't understand why people don't have that. But yeah, we can talk about, we can get into it. I mean, well, I'll talk okay. about anything. But yeah, okay. I can well, talk thanks. to you guys like, you, you seem great. Thank you for having me, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. Thank uh, you. By the way, I'm Kevy. This is Alexi. Uh, thanks for coming yes, on. I, I talked to you guys on uh, Twitter today. Um, Alexi, you only retweet Kevy and Dan. Dan. Is that yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. It's nice. like, so you like have the same taste in um, tweets that I do. I was like, oh my gosh, I should just like have like go on hers to see what I Because <laughs> you retweet the Sulk a lot, which I, I love too. I was just like, oh, well, that's, this is, uh, yeah. And I got, I got to follow both of you. Um, Please maybe do. not you, Alexi. I really don't need, I can just go to your site and look. <laughs> Thank you so You're much. That I'm already seeing, but um, I, no, I really I, appreciate uh, that. <laughs> you guys have great um senses of humor. You're, it's you're both very you. funny. So. Oh, what well, is um? Are you both comics? So it's it's a weird thing. Uh, we're actually at a, a record label called Six Four Records, which is like the biggest independent uh, record label in Canada. And I'm in a band, and I produced music and co-writes for pop music for years. And then I started producing comedy records about four or five years ago. And now all my friends are comedians, and it's the only people I hang out with. And uh, yeah, it's just they're so it's fun. Like and 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 then I just kind of went deep into that, and now I'm an AR for this comedy label, which is the thing that you're on today and that Dan works for and Alexi produces like all the content and I produce the albums and it's like a family kind of comedy thing. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. And then Alexi, what's your, so you're a producer on this A and and, wait, wait, what's the comedy channel called? It's YouTube. It's on YouTube. Comedy here often. Yeah. Oh, then, okay, yes. And we have a podcast together as well, but like I'm not a I'm not a comic at all. Like I'm coming from like the music world and then yeah. I started producing the podcasts and stuff and it's like launched me into You're both from the music world? Is Dan yeah. from the music world? How did you connect with Dan? I don't even know Dan. So, I know him from Twitter. Like, so it's it's the weirdest <laughs> thing is that uh Alexi started at the record label as a merch person, but wanted to start doing audio and visuals because that's her background is audio engineering. And then I wanted to just start doing, I I love, or is that, is mixed on the other side of it? No, that's, you're you're right. Part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But like you do, but you're also a part of the, I, 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 I'm like so interested in talking about music. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, the data is going to soar. I'm just going to keep asking questions. (laughs) Please do. I'm like, I just got, I'm, I'm like learning how to play guitar. I'm like turning into a, a musician now. And, um, because, uh, well, we can get into it, but like, I am, um, I'm really fascinated in that, uh, about that world. And so, um, so you, so you work on the engineering, the, uh, what what did you say it was again, Alexi? Uh, I'm doing like a lot of the podcasts. Um, but I like, I, yeah, just like the podcast and like some of the content and stuff, but yeah, definitely like coming from the music world and like learning yeah. about comedy. It's like a crash course. It's like trial by fire. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> and then the it's- crazy thing is like, uh, I was already established in music as a producer and a performer. So people are like, what the fuck are you doing starting <laughs> over again? And it's funny because we had Neil Brennan on yesterday and I was like, thank you for all the uh, support. And he's like, I don't remember giving you support about that. And I'm like, classic Neil Brennan response classic. to that. Because he, uh, he he was kind of my hero because he did all the background stuff and then started doing stand-up and now he's good at yeah. that too. You know what I mean? 
it's it's interesting like the so you're now being in front of the camera more and you before you were like uh you know like in bands were you a front were you front man I still am. And it's still like I was writing with Carly Rae Jepsen like two weeks ago. Like it's still like a big part of my thing. And I just also love stand up and specifically podcast culture. No, I just I just do these podcasts and produce comedians albums and stuff. And it's like comedian albums like comedy, like uh, musical comedy music sometimes. But like, uh, you know, Phil Hanley. I love Phil Hanley. I produced his comedy album like. um, Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and it's like what do you do to produce an album. Like, I'm sorry. Like, don't you just like? I mean, it has to sound good. But like, do you work on the creative side of things for that? Like, if they want it, I would never uh, push my agenda on anybody's things. But like, like Phil, for instance, he does so much crowd work, as I'm sure you know. And you're you're an amazing yeah. you're amazing at crowd work, also. Um, uh, I think your whole crew is like it, it's I I've it's I'm funny. Not. You are though. You, <laughs> no, I've I don't seen even you. Spit. A comedy mix. I saw you ask such funny questions and like uh, you are like so funny. Um, That's nice of you. That's like my biggest um, insecurity is crowd work. People think I might be good at because I'm like a roaster and stuff. And I will take your word for it. I maybe was good the time you saw me, but I generally don't talk to the crowd at all ever. I don't even like look at them. I don't. Yeah. It's really disconnected from them. It's actually like a thing I'm trying to address of like. Mm. It's just me not wanting to see them not laughing. Right. Like a lot of comedians, like with if someone's not laughing or their arms are crossed, they'll like focus in on that and become obsessed with it and want them to laugh. Whereas I don't want to make anyone do anything. But like when you when you make eye contact with people in the audience, yeah, they tend to. And you guys can use any of this if you want for like extra clips. They Thank tend you. to. Um, when you make eye contact with someone in the front row, they they'll be like looking at you like this. And then the second you look at them, they'll go, like you're like raping them into it. Like it feels forced. Okay. They don't want to. And so I don't ever want to rape anyone to laugh. So I blur my eyes on stage and I don't look at anyone. I can't oh. see anyone. Like my, um, my roommate right now, um, I'm in quarantine in Cayman Islands. It's a long story, but wow. um, he uh, opens for me on the road and he'll get off stage and be like, Nikki, there's like a burn victim in the front row and, or there's like, you know, there's a bunch of people with down syndrome in the, in, yeah. in the second row, just like, just, so you know, they might, and I go, okay, well, you didn't need to tell me I go out there and I don't see any of it. Like yeah. I don't ever see anyone. And yeah. it's cause I don't even know I'm doing it, but I just, I talked about this on Mike Birbiglia's podcast mm. and someone just wrote to me and said that, um, the only other person they've heard of doing that. Cause I feel bad about it because I want to be connected to them, but I'm just too scared of seeing people not having fun and, yeah. and instead of trying to get them to laugh, being like, I'm terrible. And then just going <laughs> inward, like, cause I assume they're right. You know, can, can but, I um, guess who the Martin other comedian is? Can I guess yeah. who Mark I mean, Norman, said, but yeah, Mark Norman. Mis- no, um, uh, uh. that does seem like it. He doesn't make eye contact in conversation, but I bet he, <laughs> he's coming on after you, by the way, he's coming on here after you. Oh, really? Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, he's so funny. God yeah. damn it. Okay. I gotta, like really like bump it up. Um, <laughs> no, Eve Martin. And really? that's not good. That's not good news for me because it means that I might uh, eventually quit, which might also be good news. Who knows? Like, no. like I said, <laughs> honestly, I, I mean, I love stand up, but it is a young person's game and I'm still very, very young. I'm in my, um, uh, I'm like 20, 30. And, uh, <laughs> and um, I, uh, yeah, I just, I, I just feel 
I mean, okay, let's just get to it because I could talk a million. I'll, I'll keep talking. And no, I, I love that. that. My are kicking in right now. I took them too late today. So my apologies. Okay. No, I love that. I, so I'll, I'll answer your question about making an album quickly, which is that with Phil, yeah. for instance, he doesn't know what crowd work he does is good. Like he, he even said, he's like, I got to tell you, I don't even know why this is funny. And so with his album, we recorded six shows. I cut it into one show. So it sounds like just one show. And then sometimes the crowd sounds different. So I try and make it. And then I just pick the best moments from his his crowd work and the best delivery of his jokes. And sometimes we'll talk about order and stuff like that. And then I'll mix and master it. And so that's how producing that kind of album goes. You know what? That makes sense. And especially for Phil needs someone like that. And even I, as you're saying this, I'm like, well, you, I don't do I would albums. I love to. But like, I'll come to the Cayman Islands, Nikki. Let's do the album. <laughs> ever do like an like if I ever like drudge up old sets and want to put together an album or something, or if I die mm-hmm. and like my mom like goes through my phone and like because I always tell my parents like if I die like make money off of my like lost tapes, you know, like because I record <laughs> yeah. every set but I do it, and so I'll tell her to ask you to like come Send in and over. put together. I hate listening to my own jokes and Phil, I'm, he's a very good friend of mine. I haven't talked to him since quarantine started and I haven't talked to him in a year, but like (laughs) before then I was seeing him all the time and he is someone who really struggles with knowing what, like you said, why he's funny, what joke, what crowd work works. Like he's so, he's, he's almost like buried in his material. He can't see outside of himself. So, um, that's all. When is his album come out? It came out uh, two years ago, and uh, it's called Thank You for, I think it's, uh, Please Don't Chit Chat While I Pursue My Dreams. It's really good. It's, I think it's my favorite one I've done. I don't like the albums, but his, um, that's, that's really intriguing that you did six shows and put them yeah. all together. Yeah, let me how, ask you, yeah. how did you intro the show? Did you have like, ladies and gentlemen, no. Phil Hanley, or he did you just get it? that because so many albums have that, and he he. So he, the first, if you press play on it, it just says, uh, you just hear him go, not only am I a comedian, I'm also a stay at home son. And then there's like a long laugh break and now you're just into it. And then other, I love that. other comedians whose album I've done have been like, can we do it like Phil Hanley's album and just cut the beginning? Yep. yep. Yeah. I, 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 that was my, as soon as you said you did one, I was like, I got to ask him that because that's always my like kind of pet peeve of albums. It's like, yeah. and it it makes it sound small, you know, like yeah. it's already a small event, but it's like having some like wacky local MC be like, Phil, no one needs that. It still, like right? doesn't impress anyone. Just get to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, great to meet you guys. And, <laughs> so great um, to meet I don't you. know if we've already started or not, but oh, like a long I'm time ago questions. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's so funny is like, uh, I love podcast culture and like, I feel like I know you already just from hearing you on so many things. And, uh, it's, yeah. it's funny because I wrote all these comedy questions and, and then yesterday we had Neil Brennan on and all we did was talk about therapy and it was the best episode. <laughs> yep. And so yep. is, I it's wanted fun to-, to talk comedy, but I, I, I'm like, I'm like me, Neil, Neil and I are very similar in that we're like very depressed people. Yeah. Um, and uh, really have done a lot of work on ourselves. So when Same given with a us. chance, love to espouse on uh the the different tools we've used to not kill ourselves well same with us and uh that was what was a a question i was wondering because i heard you had to get a therapist to break up with a therapist before i did (laughs) Um, wait what is your name again kevy i know it's a lot what is it kevy 
Kevy, Kevy, yeah. sorry, Alexi and Kevy. Okay. Um, but you both have names that should end differently than they do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree. That's all I'll remember okay. is that you have Nikki. <laughs> I'm going to call you Kevin. I'm going to call you Alexa. Alex. Alex. <laughs> Um, yeah. And Nikki too. Like it should be, uh, Nickin. Okay. So, uh, to answer your question, I did, I had a really abusive therapist for a long while that kind of tricked me into staying with her what? and uh, longer than I should. And she charged so much. She charged $375 per Whoa. session. She had me see her twice a week. Whoa. Mandatory. She's yeah. like those guys that work well, at the gym and shame you for not coming and re re upping. Yep. yep. And, um, she, you know, I look back on it and I did learn great things from her in terms of like, okay, in the future, I'm not going to let someone take advantage of me like that. But, and she did have good advice. She was very harsh. She was very mean. And when someone's mean to me, I just think they're right. You know, like oh. I, I never stand up for myself really like <laughs> unless I just, I'm bad at it. And so when someone yells at me, I just tend to like shut down and take it. And so she was really, um, she, I had, I used to have a really big complex about, um, you know, I I talk about it in my special, but I, I am not as pretty as I would like to be, which I'm not saying I'm not pretty. I'm not trying to be like, Oh, I'm ugly. I like, I try very hard. I'm like, I'm pretty good, but like, I, really resented growing up like the beautiful girls in school. I had a, I was a really late bloomer too. So I didn't learn how to like do my makeup and stuff until I was like 25, you know? So (laughs) I was really awkward looking and I just resented, like I saw around me people getting things because they were pretty like girls getting things. And I was just like, fuck, what am I going to do? So that's what drew me to comedy was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, try something else to get people's attention. But so I was in her, her, um, I was going to see her because I was very depressed and I was in a relationship that I wasn't really speaking my mind in because I was scared he would abandon me. And she used to, and I, I remember one time going in there, she knew I had self-esteem issues with my looks, which I, I vastly improved since then. This was like, you know, six months ago. No, uh, it was like six <laughs> and, uh, or maybe more, but I remember the funny story from her was that she was like 80 years old. And she used to always say to me, you're not, you're a comedian you're not funny at all. What the I'm fuck? You haven't said a funny thing since you've said, said in here. I've been oh my- for two years. You're never funny. Wow. I'm funny. No. You, funny. you should see me at a dinner party. And I would no. just roll my own. Do it. But she goes, you're the most serious person I've ever met. And I get that a lot from That's like, it's, you're you know, supposed to be in therapy. What? In therapy, you're not supposed to be. Cra- I was going to ask you, do you try and make your therapist laugh? But. Then I did. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna bring it now. She required one session a week with her, and then everyone that saw her would have to go to a group therapy session with other people that were going to see her. It was actually kind of cool. So oh, I would get to go with all these girls to go see her for a group therapy session, and I would prove myself in there. I would kill, and these girls would be dying laughing, and she would just be like, "I don't get it." And so. And I'm like, why am I trying to kill? I'm not even being myself in here because I yeah. am serious. Like I'm not yeah. laugh out loud funny uh, when I'm not on stage or like on a, a podcast or and, and hardly even on this one. But like sure. I struggle to not, to, I'm very serious. And, um, but she said to me, she was like, she would say, I'm not funny all the time. And I would just roll my eyes because <sighs> like whatever. But then she said, one day I remember I was taping some, I was filming some show the next week and I had to, I was really worried about like what dress I was going to wear. I was like, I have to go get a dress later on today. I was just trying to make conversation with her. And she was like, 
No one cares what you wear. You're not a model. Oh, You're I You're hate this person. Average. No one's ever going to look at you and think you should be a model. No, you're not pretty. You're just average. And I would be Whoa. like, you can't say this to me. And she's like, well, someone needs to say it to you wow. because you've been lying to you all your life. And oh I was my like, God. Oh. And so I was crying and, um, and I left her office like crying. And I remember going to Victoria's Secret and I was just like going through Iraq, so talking to my friend. I was like, I'm, she said I was average. And everyone's like, no, you're not. But that actually helped me because... It, maybe I am. And that should be fine. Like people that go, no, Nikki, you're beautiful. It's like, well, what if I get horribly disfigured in an accident? <laughs> you know, like then, then are people going to still, then I'm going to not going to be beautiful anymore. And that I should still have value. So this, mm. and this thing that people always go and they go, no, you're beautiful. It's like, but what if someday I'm going to lose it? And then what am I going to do then? If, if that's all that it, I really had to overcome like, having too much value on that, which is, um, you can't overcome as a woman. It is just ingrained into you so harshly at such a young age. And it persists forever. Mm -hmm. Um, of if you aren't attractive, you don't really have value, but that's why, that's why I got funny was to have value other than my looks. And that's Mm -hmm. why I got into podcasting and radio so that I can age in this business and not be like on camera all the time and, you know, read comments that I'm old, you know, they can call my voice old, but I'm not going to be that. I've sounded old forever. <laughs> I remember, I, I mean, I have an older sounding voice. I remember Dr. Drew used to say like, if you're oh, whatever, this. It's like really high voice, it's like the age you were molested. Yeah. Yeah. And I, <sighs> or whatever your voice sounds like, that was the age that like some yeah. trauma happened. The rest of so development like, of it. Yeah. I think I got, I'm, I, based on my voice, I think I was molested when I'm 65. (laughs) (laughs) But um, to answer your question, I had to go see a therapist to break up with that therapist. And that didn't even work. I ended up seeing that woman for a really long time. I had to move out of the state and eventually just like kind of long distance it. And then I got out of it, but (gasps) it was, I, I could have bought a house with the money I spent on her and no. uh, it, she's still practicing. I sent some of my friends to go see her and they're <laughs> oh, <Nikki>. still with her. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, I, no. I, uh, I, but, but it was nice to be told harsh, like the truth harshly, even though the truth wasn't my, like other people's truth, her truth, to have someone be that honest and mean it was like youtube comments like in person. I mean, it was oh. wild. But I, I feel like she the the things she was saying are just not true like how you're not funny like obviously you're really funny and she was seeing it it seemed like she was competitive with you and it's interesting because a lot of my female friends their moms are competitive with them Mm. you know what i mean and so i i and i think growing up i think my dad was competitive with me and i think it was confusing for him that i didn't want to be anything like him he was like insulting because he was like but i wanted to be like my dad by the way we're just having a therapy session yeah (laughs) because i just said this in therapy I literally said to my mom when I was probably seven or something, mm-hmm. I remember saying to her, mom, how are you not jealous of me? Like, <laughs> why, how are you not wanting to be me? And she was like, Nikki, what are you talking about? And I go, well, you know, cause I saw my mom talk about her body and how much she hated it and how old she felt. And like, my mom really was like, not good about having good self-esteem around me. Cause that was before they told parents to like do that shit. <laughs> and so I knew that she had to be jealous of me. I'm younger than her. I'm smaller than her. Mm-hmm. And I go, how I'm, I don't think I'll ever have kids. Cause I'll be too jealous of my daughter. And my mom goes, you just don't feel that way when it's your daughter. 
And I, I think I was insulted. I was like, well, then I need to step up my game because you should be jealous of me. But I, uh, my mom was never, my mom's not jealous. You know what though? I've realized I, my mom loves TV. My parents mm. both love TV, but my mom is very uh, like into television stars and like knowing all about them and very interested in them. And yeah. she didn't show that kind of interest in my life. My mom kind of was like hands off in terms of like, she didn't want to pry. She didn't want to know about boys. She didn't really want to delve into my life, wanted to give me space. And I think I wanted her to want to. And yeah. so I think I was like, I have to get on TV for my mom to like pay attention to me. So now when I like am on TV, I get this attention from her that I've kind of always craved. She's a great mom, but yeah. I think that's, I think that's what drew, drew me to, to TV for sure. Wow. It, oh, it's so funny. My, my mom's the same. Like my mom loves like tabloids and stuff. And just, yes. just like, just like the idea that someone's famous, she just thinks is like really cool. And like, um, the, the different like, um, tours my band's done, she'll come and she'll be like, it's my son. Yeah. Like it's yeah. just, just so cool. And then you're but, getting the love that you yeah. or like your mom thinks you're like the best. And it's like, yeah. why, why is that inherent now? <laughs> other people's perception. Well, it literally, totally. literally took me being on tour in Japan for her and my stepdad to be like, Oh, this wasn't, yeah, this wasn't a complete waste of time. I, I remember when yeah. I was a kid, them being like my stepdad needs since apologized for this, which is nice. He was like, cause he was like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was like playing a band. He's like, well, we all want to play in a band. So, you know, and now he's, yeah. he apologized for it like three years ago. He's like, you're the only self-made person I've ever met. Like, that's really cool. I'm really sorry. I said that. <laughs> that's really awesome to get yeah. that. Uh, yeah, to get that acknowledgement because a lot of times they don't remember saying these things that so mm. profoundly yeah. impact us. And we yeah. remember, like, I remember so many things my parents said that were so hurtful. And they go, We never said that. And I go, I'm not making this up. Like, that was <laughs> my life that you told me you hated me. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel the same. Like, um, my parents have always been very supportive of me doing comedy, like it, it, too much, like in a way that they shouldn't have been. Like I was not good when I started out. And I remember like my, I'm, I work so hard and I want to be famous and all these things. Like, I don't really want to be famous anymore, but I want to be rich and successful because mm. I want to, them to think that I'm the best and to think that, and I want to take care of them. Like I don't have any overhead in terms of children or a family. Yeah. So I'm really like, I want to make money right now to afford a bunker to survive the oncoming apocalypse, but also yeah. to get my parents into like a really good nursing home. Like yeah. that is a priority of mine. I, know, I think about it too. Cause them in the fall, like yeah. college campus. I, could, I don't want to have kids or anything either, but I really do want to. And maybe it's selfish that I want to take care of my, my mom and stuff. Yeah. It's like, see, look, look what's now paying the bills. Like, you know oh, what same, I mean? Same here. Wow. I just yeah. rocked my teeth on oh, this no. and it electrocuted oh, me. No. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Let's do a meme of that. Okay? I'm okay. I, I love it. No, we're good. I've, I've done so much worse on stage as playing in yeah. a band uh actually I, i've told the story before but my band was on tour in china once and a guy climbed on top of me and fell on his front teeth and knocked them out and then carried them all the way back to vancouver and got them put back in <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and he's a big fan of you so shout out kirby <laughs> Wait, he was a fan that jumped on stage that you kept no. in touch with or something your band jumped he, on your back. He was he's he was in a band and our bands were on tour in China and then 
We're, it's such a weird story because we're playing in Beijing on in a venue called the Hot Cat, and there are cats all over the stage because in China they don't they don't stop that kind of thing, and yeah. uh, that happened there. So that what a weird story to tell all of a sudden wow. in the middle of all no, this. No, that sounds like you know the debauchery that that's like a that's like a story that you would make up to like uh, <laughs> illustrate that a band was like out of control. It's like the band <laughs> yeah. like dark pussy story or whatever <laughs> yeah i know you're, you're the led zeppelin right? one where they're putting the yeah led yeah yeah no 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 you're right that's so funny uh, um but also two more therapy things then we can move on if yeah. we need to um <laughs> one is that uh i was telling my my current therapist i love him he's actually the first male therapist i've ever had and i've noticed that i'm not trying to be likable to him mm-hmm. which is a weird <laughs> thing i noticed about having only women therapists smart. Yeah. yeah and it and it takes some fun out of it because <laughs> you have to there's no incentive for like i realize that too i think i could probably benefit from a male therapist because i i'm much more comfortable being myself around men than women mm. i'm you know it's not a, a about like a, a sexual thing it's mm. like about like i just want women to i just wanted to be a popular girl yeah. so much that i want women's approval more than anything and men i'm just like whatever i don't care if you don't like me <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I should probably try a male therapist, but you find that with women, you were, oh, what, is it the mom thing probably? Um, it's that it's, I think so now that you say it, because I, uh, I was raised by a single mom and uh, she mm. placed an importance on treating women properly. And so I hated the idea of saying something that would have a, a woman be like, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But, but I was telling my therapist now, and he's a Buddhist guy, and I kind of like that about him because it's like intriguing to me. Like he'll do those things <laughs> where he goes and it doesn't talk for two months or whatever and stuff like that. I was telling him about my childhood and I had my head down and I looked up and he looked sad and it, I was like, I feel like I'm making you sad. And he's like, no, 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 oh. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Like he, I just like, uh, have you ever had that where you're, um, yeah. You say something to the therapist is like, whoa, 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 wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I won therapy today. Like this person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not- yeah. 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 He looked horrified. Uh, and then he had to shake himself out of it and like kind of step away well, from that's it. Interesting. Because I actually had to start seeing a therapist I, uh, talking about Dr. Drew again. Dr. Drew ended up like becoming my friend. And cool. I don't know if you have Canada, but like we became like friends. And he um, he was always like whenever he would do my different shows that I had, he would always say like uh, he would always be like, Nikki, you're so fucked up. Like you need to like uh, you're not feeling your feelings, which is my uh. biggest problem. Do not like mm. feeling sad, you know, and so I I yep. abused like work. I abuse yeah. coffee, I abuse food, uh, pot, anything I can seltzers, like, I, you know, oh, yeah. anything yeah. <laughs> not feel. And he was like, you need to see a therapist that models the feeling that you should feel about the things that have happened to you. So you need to see, um, emotionally focused therapy. So I, I got, I took his advice and I found one and my therapist like yours would just mirror the, the, the feeling <laughs> that I should feel. So she would listen to my story and she go, <laughs> and I can't do it because I have Botox, but she would just be like, <laughs> I, I just realized like my Botox is so severe right now. I'm so sorry. But um it looks it good. Was, no, it looks great. It just, she would like make these faces and I would go like, oh, I guess that's how I'm supposed to I'd be like, you're overreacting, but it was more to be like, you I'm just shut down emotionally. So like, and I don't I don't think I deserve to feel sad about anything because Somebody has it worse out there, you know, oh, and that's yeah. what I heard Classic. throughout my childhood was like, 
what are you crying about kind of thing. Mm. And so I, I really have a hard time crying. Like I, um, mm. I, I, can, I, I, I recently shot a pilot for a reality show, uh, trying to get my mom's love and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, um, and I had not cried since July and I shot this pilot last week and I was able to cry because a camera was on me and it was mm. a real cry. It wasn't like a, a, a fake one. I am just so much more vulnerable about my feelings and honest when I'm performing. It's really, mm. and, and oh. so I got this reality show because I want to find like a husband or a partner at some point, And I don't like to date. I'm just so nervous about being one-on-one -on -one with someone when I'm just like, it's too, it's too vulnerable. And so I created this reality. I pitched this reality show because I was like, I want to, force myself to go on dates. And the only way to do that is if I'm, they're like being filmed. It's like, that's the only way I'll do them. <laughs> that's so and good. so, um, that's, that's the hardest thing for me is just like, I mean, do you guys cry often? I'm so jealous of people yeah. who oh, cry. I'm pretty good at it. It's I'm pretty good, good at it. Good. It was like, it's so interesting that you said that about performing and crying too. Cause I was in an acting class, like, pre-COVID and I remember yeah. we had this one scene that we were doing and it was supposed to be like me and my sister and our dad had just died and we went to a funeral and I have a weird relationship with my dad so I was like I'm going to pull from this experience and immediately started like uh, we started our scene crying right away I'm like I guess I can do this now but like only wow yeah it was crazy I, I was like that's okay great, great that you were able to access that and use it in the scene because I bet it was really that's that's, that's good. That's talent, but you're right. It's like the second you have a almost like excuse to, because, you know, crying on a reality show is, uh, you know, valuable. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's like reality gold. So there was some incentive to crying because I feel like a lot of times when I cry, it's like a burden on people yeah. and people are just like, no one wants to hear that. And like, <laughs> people have to stop everything and go, Nikki, what's wrong. And I just feel like, as someone who loves being the center of attention when I'm on stage, I hate it when it's in involving my feelings. Yeah. And so I think that it just having a camera on me gives me an excuse to like be big and be and take up space and all those things. Yeah. It's very bizarre, but um, I totally relate. Guys, That's I crazy. Just, no, okay, I'm not gonna. <laughs> that would be that would be great if you could cry here. I only cry once a year. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're like, it's called my birthday. Um, <laughs> um, do you find that when, when people cry around you, it makes you like super uncomfortable? Um, I like when people cry around me, actually. I, I, I like being comforting and uh, mm. being, being supportive. I really love, uh, I'm very uncomfortable with people dealing with a death. Mm. I find that it's one of my worst flaws as a friend is when I have a friend who's like, has a death in their, like, I just don't know. Nothing I can say will change it. And I don't know what to say. I should just read a book about like how to help people grieve. Mm. But there's something in me that like, I have a friend right now who I owe a call to because his dad died. He's a close friend and I am just like ghosting him just like his dad did. And it's not, <laughs> not I, but I'm frozen. It's my, it's too much for me. I'm just so, it's really a problem. It's, it's a very interesting thing where I literally feel paralyzed when people have a death. Interesting. Um, in their in their life and I and I have to step up and like be there for them. It's I've really disappointed a lot of friends. It's 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 not a good thing. I don't know what it is. Hmm. Oh, it's wild. it's an uncomfortable thing that you kind of maybe just hope goes away, do you think? Like the the situation. <laughs> but it's not gonna. <laughs> no, but I mean the interaction part of it. Where... Oh, totally get, get over it. Um, <laughs> so I guess I just 
I just know that I can't take away their pain and it makes me feel helpless. Yeah. And I also can't relate because I have not lost a family. Like when someone's close, like someone close to them dies, I haven't had that happen to me uh, yet. Knock on wood, it will eventually. And so I think that part of me is like, I don't have the skill set or the compassion available. And, and you can only say, I can only imagine how you feel so many times, or yeah. I can't even understand what you're feeling, but that's all they want. People just want to, they yeah. literally want to call and go, how are you? Talk yeah. to me about it. And that's yeah, yeah. it. I know. And it just makes me so uncomfortable for some reason. It's, it's, uh, I'd rather just like apologize later for being a mm. shitty friend. That, fair enough. I, I mean, I mean, you do need to put yourself first in those situations sometimes, though, it could, because it's like my therapist is like t- talks about how I, I have empathetic fatigue all the time from taking on people's uh, problems a lot because I I yeah. really do feel other people's pain to a point where it's like debilitating sometimes. Um, oh, yeah. J- just because I feel so fucking bad for people sometimes <laughs> like um, and you do it, too. Yeah. You can like see it in Alexi's face if she's feeling bad for somebody. That's why you need Botox. It takes out this empathy uh, line. <laughs> Empathy it's lines. A, it's gone. I had it at the beginning of COVID and I haven't gone back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I I just got mine. I had it at the beginning too. And I saw myself on TV like right after COVID started. I was like, you look insane. Never get that again. <laughs> and I was about to be on TV and I was like, I got to get it again. But I love yeah, it. you can't oh. be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like my face won't be sad. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Well, like, look, I'm trying like. Like that's yeah. not good enough. Usually I have like a xylophone of wrinkles. Up. <laughs> yeah. That's it's not good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love it here. You know. I like, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've been like half an hour. I'm so sorry. This That's is so okay. expensive for you. Um, okay. I just want to, uh, well, I'll tell you one more therapy thing I've been trying to say for a while. A friend of mine, <laughs> uh, she, she's like a, a pretty famous singer and her therapist at one point, uh, was like mid session was like, I'm in love with you. <laughs> and it's like, my first question was like, did you get oh. charged for that session? And oh. she was like, yeah. Oh, that's crazy, no. right? That's yeah, awful. yeah. That is awful. Yeah, that's oh uh, all God. kinds of that boundaries. The boundary crossing. What that person should be dis debarred, or do they have the bar for? I don't know. <laughs> they, I, I feel like I mean, your therapist should be debarred. I can't believe they're so mean to you. Like I, that really was the craziest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Well, I speaking about what you were just saying. I had a friend who was seeing a therapist who was a man. And she one time was like talking about something sexually explicit she had done. She was like, so I was on top of him, like writing him. And she heard as she like paused to like think of the next part of the story. She heard him go. Like, <laughs> like, like, and she was like, Nikki, I think he like was getting turned on. And it was like, oh, that's why you don't uh, have like, I feel like it's hard for sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't shut off your body. You can't yeah. really, well, I can, I can really tell myself to not feel things, but most <laughs> people who like, you can't tell yourself to not get a boner in the middle. Of, I mean, I guess you can, but, uh, that was so funny. Like just the, the, the nervous gulp. Oh um, man. Yeah. God. Stop seeing him for sure. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh my God. Went and got him a glass of water and left and never saw him again. <laughs> Um, you know, it's so, it's so interesting. Like, um, you talking about potentially not doing standup anymore. Like I feel (laughs) like, um, right before the pandemic, I felt like I was seeing you more and more in bigger, bigger, uh, opportunities. And I felt like you were like killing all of them. Like the, the roast you did, you obviously stole it. That was, you were by far had the best set and everything. And so like, it's just, uh, it would be disappointing to me if you stopped doing standup. 
Yeah, I, I'm never going to stop doing stand up. Uh, well, I don't want to say never because life is easier when you don't have to do stand up every single night. It's a yeah. compulsion. And I'm good at it is because I do it every night. Like I have natural talent for it, but it's, it's practice. I mean, like I'm, uh, if I'm not going on stage every night, I'm not going to be that great. So mm. with this whole pandemic, I really, you know, it's good because everyone's kind of not good right now, mm. but when things start to open up and you can do stand up every night again, and multiple sets. I don't know how I'm going to feel because I, yeah. I I'm very competitive and I want to stay as good as everyone else, but it's really tiring. Like I'm for the first time in, you know, the 17 years I've been doing stand up. I now, you know, watch, I eat dinner and then I watch TV and then I go to bed. Like mm. I have like a, or like read a book and then go to bed. That's never been my life ever in my adult life. It's always been go out, do sets until, you know, two in the morning, have a really late dinner, sleep late. But now I'm, I'm taking on more, you know, jobs that outside of standup that get me up early in the morning yeah. and I don't have the stamina for it. However, when I really, I do have stuff to say outside of the TV shows that I do and all the different uh, performances. And I, I think there is, I love doing standup and but I'm not going to do it unless I can do it every night. So my plan is when I have a special, I'm going to just do the every night, multiple sets, like yeah. three months leading up to it yeah. to just like, I'm going to train like the Olympics. And then I'm going to yeah. take time off because I can't keep doing like yeah. it every night. I, yeah. People that can keep that up into their adulthood are scared of like, they're scared of intimacy with their family member. Like they're <laughs> running from something mm. you that there's, there is a love of standup that is true and like, Oh, it's a great form of expression, but doing it compulsively night after night and writing jokes in incessantly. And there's a, there's a, it turns into an obsession. And a lot of these guys that I see going on stage, you know, you used to hear back in the day, like, Oh, this, this guy came in and did four hours last night. He did <laughs> seven hours. And I yeah. go, I see a man who doesn't want to go home to his wife. and kids. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I don't see someone who has a message. It's someone who does. No one wants to see anything over an hour and a half. You get bored. Oh yeah. It, it, yeah. Start looking at your watch, no matter how entertaining it is. Uh -huh. And so I don't want to be that. I actually want to be someone who has a life outside of stand up. And I really didn't have that until this, you know, until the pandemic. Wow. And oh, I wow. love when I stopped doing stand up. though, what I did find was I, because every night I could get on stage and scream, you know, about yeah. not about maybe what I was dealing with, what, but it, it, I would take out my anger in whatever bit, uh, like I'd pick an angry bit to get my anger out about something that had happened earlier that I wasn't ready to talk about yet, you know, but I got some, I got my feelings out, which was huge for me, um, as someone who doesn't like to feel their feelings. So when I stopped doing stand up, I, I, it just suddenly, I, I was like, I have to come up with another way to get my feelings out. So I got a karaoke machine and I oh, started nice. songs in my, I was living with my parents in St. Louis. I started just like during in the, I would wake up in the morning and I would sing whatever song I was like, like feeling that day. And I would just belt it. And I felt like so good afterwards. It was such a release. And I didn't realize that singing and perf like playing music could get out those feelings the same way. And so then I eventually went from karaoke to being like, let me take singing lessons. Maybe I yeah. can get good at that. And then I, my dad plays guitar and I was like, I'll pick up a guitar. And so now I'm like very, like I'm obsessed with guitar and singing the way oh, I cool. used to be with stand up. And so 
I'm just finding like different ways to express myself. Yeah. And it's literally like not to compare myself to him, but it's like Michael Jordan playing baseball. Like no one wants to see me sing and, <laughs> and play guitar, but I am going to practice enough yeah. that I'm going to, because the way I'm so bad at guitar right now that it feels very similar to when I started stand up and I would see people, you know, I watch people that I'm trying to learn how to play like them. And I go, that is impossible. I will never be able to do that. But I used to think that about every headliner that I would mm-hmm. see come through when I was just an open mic or I had three minutes of material. I go, how will I ever have 45 minutes? It's not possible. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to know that I've already overcome that yeah. seeming mm-hmm. possible hurdle once. Yeah. And all I need to do is do this for about 10 years and I'll be a pretty damn good guitarist. I yeah. think that if you work hard mm-hmm. at, at every day and you practice you can be good at anything you want totally within the limit of like, you know, abilities, like with, like I, I yeah. have a hand. So obviously if you don't have a hand, maybe guitar will be a little harder for you, but <laughs> if I work hard enough, I'll be a good guitarist. Yeah. Mm. I just have to do it. You know, you have to practice, you have to be obsessed. And I'm, I'm really grateful to have found a new obsession in my adulthood that I, I'm not putting down, you know, yeah. like yeah. you try to get hobbies as an adult and they last a couple months, but this is actually sticking. And, um, and it's just, it's just nice to like, be obsessed with something again because stand-up just became kind of too easy mm-hmm. i was getting like really really high before shows just to make it more challenging for me and to make myself a little bit scared like mm-hmm. what's gonna happen am i gonna be able to th-? like it was i was starting to like create um like t- like you know difficulties for myself yeah. to just make it scary again yeah. and to make me comfortable again because it was too comfortable interesting um, and i love being uncomfortable yeah Oh, wow. Well, you should find that therapist again because she was great for yeah, that. No <laughs> <laughs> I got I to gotta call up Donna. Uh, yeah. She's probably dead by now. Um, let's go. Um, well, thank you so much, Nikki. Yeah, Thanks thank for making you. the time. Thank you, guys. Thank you for spending so much money on data with us. Oh, my. Uh, um, no, I really appreciate it. I, I'm like I said, I'm in the Cayman Islands. I'm I'm on location for a show that I'm shooting in like three weeks, but I have to be inside for two weeks and not there's a beach outside probably uh, uh just 100 feet away less mm-hmm. than there's yeah. the ocean and i Amazing. cannot go oh, more God. than two feet outside my door there's caution tape on my porch <laughs> oh, no. i can't go on the porch and so i'm stuck in this place for two weeks and this is day two i think oh, so my God. Um, did you bring your guitar talk to people so thank you so much for uh for this time you got it. Thank you. This and I'll pay you three hundred seventy-five dollars in cash soon, just like Donna used to ask for <laughs> in an envelope. <laughs> Thank you, Nikki. Nice to meet you. Thank you guys. So nice to meet.